That's what I want to preach on this morning. God is still good. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. Verse number 12. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12. It said, I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon on the well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went into the, to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up to the night by the brook, and viewed the wall, and turned back, and entered in the gate of the valley, and so returned. And the rulers knew not whether I went, or what I did, neither had I yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest of the, that he had did work. Now he just went out, Nehemiah just went out and surveyed the land, surveyed uh, uh, Jerusalem, the walls and the cities and gates. He went out and surveyed them. And now in verse 17, he's going to give a speech concerning that survey that he had. He said, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burnt with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no more approach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for all that you do and all the mercy you've given us and shown us, Father. Father, we just ask you to touch each heart this morning, Lord. Lift us up and encourage us in the way that we need to be encouraged today. And Father, we know that you are in control, Lord. It's not this world, but we know that you are in control, and we praise you for that. And Father, we just thank you and praise you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The book of Nehemiah and Ezra are, are companion books. Uh, uh, they were written about the same time, about the same thing. Uh, they're returning out of the Babylonian captivity where Nebuchadnezzar had removed them from their land and, and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed everything. And now they're making their way back into the land and their city. God had put a burden on Nehemiah. God had put a burden in the heart of this man. There's one, man, there's one man down in captivity that gets a burden uh, for the land and in, in, the, in the city that he had came from. And not only the place that he comes from, not only does he get a burden for the land and the city, but he also gets a burden for the people of God. Let me say this. Thank God for a man or a woman that has a burden. Amen. Uh, we're living in a day where a lot of our preaching and our praying and our testifying are asking God to remove the burdens from our lives. But let me just say this, not only is God in the business of removing burdens, but God is also in the business of putting on burdens. Amen. But can I say that sometimes God is not 
taking the burdens from us that we ask. If I don't have a burden, I find that I don't have tears anymore. If I don't have a burden, that means I don't have the drive to do something for other people or or give of myself. If I don't have a burden, I don't get under that heavy burden in life. Uh, uh, Sometimes it means my prayer life is suffering. But I find that when I am under that heavy burden, when God has placed it on me, my prayer life picks up, my giving picks up, my love for people picks up. Uh, and I, I pray God that he, he will give us that burden that we need in order to kickstart our prayer life, to kickstart our giving and, and get us on track that where we need to be, especially in the day that we're living in today. He tells them about the gates. The gates are burned with fire. The gates were once stood proud. The gates that uh, uh, were strong. The gates that uh, uh, kept the enemy from coming in. Uh, uh, these gates were burnt. They're torn down. They're destroyed. And we know what a gate is for. A gate is to keep things out that don't get in and we don't let them in. A gate is something that uh, keeps the enemy from getting inside. Uh, Those foreign things that we uh, should not allow to get in our lives. But can I say this, the gates of this country has been burnt down. The gates of this country has been torn down. And may I say this, the gates of the church have been burnt down. The gates of the church has been torn down. We're starting to allow everything and anything to come inside the church, come inside our country. We're allowing things that should not be coming in. Amen. We're living in a church world where the gates have been burnt. Where anything goes, there's, we've opened up the Pandora box. And anything come in, anything go out. So he tells them about the gate. He surveys about it. He tells them about the gloating of the enemy. The, they laughed at us to scorn and despised and said, what is this thing you do? Will you rebel against the king? The enemies of God are laughing at them, saying, Your God has forsaken you. Your walls are burnt down. Your gates are destroyed. You'll never be what you used to be. You'll never be what you once was. You'll never be that power that God had given you. God has forsaken you. The enemy are laughing at these people. We talked about it earlier, and can I say, the mayor of New York City got on on TV and looked dead in the camera, had put his eye dead in the camera. He said, it was not God who stopped this coronavirus. It was not faith who stopped this coronavirus. It was us. We stopped this coronavirus. I will be afraid to take uh, 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 credit for something that I didn't do and God's hand is on it. Uh, I'll be afraid to say that I did something and not God. We're starting to make gods out of anything and anybody. Amen. Uh, but God said there's none before me and there's none out. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I'll be afraid to say that we did it. If God is not the source of our strength, We become our own gods. We become our own idols. 
The enemy are, are gloating and said, hey, your God has forsaken. Can I tell you, church, uh, God has not forsaken you. Uh, God has not forgiven you, uh, forgotten you. Uh, God is still God. He's still on the throne. But we lose sight sometimes. He tells them about the gates. He tells them about the gloating. He tells them about the great work that is before them. He said, everything is destroyed and we need to repair the gates, the walls. They, they spent a whole book of Nehemiah is doing nothing but repairing the city, repairing the land. Nehemiah is looking for some workers, not shirkers, amen. Can I say that today? The church is still work, looking for workers and not shirkers today. We're still looking for those who roll up their sleeves and bend their backs and get involved. We're still looking for those. He said, hey, we're looking for those that are willing to give Get in and do some work. He was looking for those who want to join up with him and build something and do something for God. Amen. He lets them know right up front it ain't going to be easy. It's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. The enemies are against us. Uh, uh, nothing but rubbish is before us. Uh, and we got to rebuild everything. He's letting them know uh, this is not going to be an easy task. Can I say, church, this is not an easy task that we are in today, uh, getting out and witness and telling people about God and what God has done for you and God will do for others. But we have a job before us. Uh, we're still looking for those who roll up their sleeves. We're still looking for those who bend their back and get involved with the work of God and do something something great for God. Amen. But I want to get to this. I just thought I'd introduce that. I, I want to get to this point that really stands out to me. And I, I got to read, and, I, and when, I, when I read the Bible, I try to put today's perspective on the Word of God. And when you start doing that, you'll find that what you're reading in the Old Testament applies to the very day that we're looking at. He, he, he says uh, uh, things are, are bad, it's tough, it's, it's rough, the, the gloating of the enemy, the, the great work. And in spite of it all, he says in verse number 18, Then I told them of the hand of my God. Then I told them of the hand of my God was good upon me. He said in spite of it all, in spite of everything that you face, in spite of the enemy, in spite of the great work, in spite of the, the rubbish, in spite of it all, God is still good. But Nehemiah, the gates have been burnt. I know, but God's still good. But Nehemiah, the enemy are all around us and they're gloating. But God is still good. But Nehemiah, uh, they're uh, they still uh, gloating at us. They're still doing these things. Uh, uh, they don't see the work. Uh, they said, hey, uh, there's everything needs to be in reply. Uh, the walls have been torn down. The gates have been turned up. Nehemiah, can't you see it? He said, I don't care. It might take a lot of money. It might take a lot of labor. But he said, God is still good. Can I say this today? Everything has been going on in our country. Everything that we've been facing, 
I watch the news just like you do. I, I like to go on record and say this. When worse comes to worse, push come to shove, my God is still good. My God is still good. He's always been good. He will always be good. My God has been good. He's been good to me. I've got clothes on my back. I got shoes on my feet. I got food in my belly. I've got a roof over my head. I'm telling you what, I got money in my pocket. I've got a, a shout in my song. I got a clap in my hand. And I got a dance in my God's been too good to me. In spite of it all that's going on, in spite of what we're going through, in spite of what we see, God has been good to us. I'll have those that stand and testify. They had to stand next to a casket of a loved one. They, they got in the news. You got disease that's going to take your life. Their families dis disarray. The children have gone away. They've left God. They out in the world. Uh, I've seen people stand and testify of broken hearts and their lives been in disarray and everything. Uh, yet, and they said, in spite of it all, in spite of it all, God has been good. I can say this, there might be a time that you have to stand beside of casting and a loved one's laying there. And there might be a time you get that phone call or stand before the doctor and he says, uh, there's nothing you can do, uh, there's nothing I can do. Uh, you better get your affairs in order. In spite of it all, God has been good. The gates are burning, the enemy are gloating. But that doesn't change the fact that God is still good. You might say, what does Nehemiah got to say that God has been good to him? Well, you need to read about this in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And, and when you get to the end of chapter 2, he tells everybody God has been good. What has God done for Nehemiah in these two chapters that he'd get to thank God, praise God? The same thing that you and I, the same thing that you and I have got to praise God. Look at God and give God the glory. First of all, he says, my captivity is behind me. In chapter 1, the Bible said Nehemiah is in the captivity of Babylon. But even though he's in captivity, Nehemiah thinks he's got it going on good. He thinks good is, stuff is good in his life. He's doing all right because the Bible said he's the king's cupbearer. He's not someone that's a slave out in the field, uh, uh, chained up. Uh, he's the king's cupbearer. So Nehemiah's thinking, hey, I've got it all right. I may be in captivity, but everything seems to be good. I can go here. I can go there. I'm not in change. I'm not out in the field. Uh, but Nehemiah says, I've got it good. But something changed his heart when he sees captivity for what it is. The worst thing in his life was this captivity. Chapter 1. 
Go to chapter 1. Let's go to chapter 1. Turn your Bibles back a couple of chapters, a couple of pages. Chapter 1, verse number 3. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity therein, the providence, are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down. The gates thereof are burnt with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words, set I down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. When he heard about his homeland, when he heard about the people that he loved, his own people were in affliction and the city that he loved has been torn down. It hit him to the heart. It got to him where he was. It hit him hard and he realized that what he thought was good, that captivity was good, is now the worst thing in his life. Verse 1 of chapter 2. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, the 20th year of Xerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto him, the king. Now I had not been before sat in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very afraid, so afraid. Let me just say this. When you stand before the king, you ought to be afraid. You ought to be afraid. He said, I said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my contents be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulcher, lieth waste and gates there are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, for what doest thou make request? So I prayed to God of the heavens. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if the servants have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me to Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchre, that I may rebuild it. He thinks he's doing all right uh, until he hears about the affliction and the judgment of God. When he hears about the judgment of God, he isn't enjoying captivity anymore. Amen? No more. He, he sees captivity for what captivity is. Uh, now he's saying, this ain't where I need to be, and this is not what I need to be in. I, I want to be changed. I, I've got to get changed. He says, nothing is like captivity anymore. He said, this is bondage. This is servitude. I don't need to belong in this place anymore. He comes before the king on basis of brokenness. He comes before the king broken because how God has judged him and his people. Can I say there was a day that I thought captivity was good? I thought I was doing okay. I, I thought that it, it was not so bad. I thought I was living the life I want to live. I was doing the things I want to do. Uh, I didn't realize what I was in. I, I thought I was doing pretty good. When I saw the judgment of God under the hand of the Almighty God, uh, I was a sinner on my way to hell uh, and became exceedingly sinful in my life. Uh, and I died and saw that when I was heading to a devil's hell, uh, I, I, got, uh, I got in the condition I couldn't get out of. I needed help. Uh, I saw my captain. Activity. I saw what it was and I said Lord I came to God I fell before God I plead my case I came in brokenness for my life was worthless without God I went to the throne of God 
broken. Because the judgment of God was on my life. What does Nehemiah praise the Lord for? Why is he talking about God as being good? Because when he goes before the king, he commutes his sentence. Remember, Nehemiah's captivity. But when he pleads this case to the king, he commutes his sentence. When he got before the king, not on his basis, but on the basis of his brokenness, the judgment of God. And the king said, if you were broken up that bad, what's your request? Boy, I, I can remember the time I came to the God and I was broken up bad. I had no, no way of knowing where I was heading and where I was going. And I came to God broken. And he said, what is your request? He said, and Nehemiah said, I, I don't want to be a captive no more. I told God, I don't want to be a captive of sin no more. Oh, when he gave him the letter, he said, here, I, I don't want to be a slave no more. He said, I want to go to where God's people are. I want to go to a place where God's is. I want to be a place where the king of God is. I want, to, I want a pardon. So the king gives him his walking papers, set free. Says, here, here's a letter. You've been set free. Wherever you go with this letter, when you show it to people, you will realize they will realize that, that you've been set free. You're no longer captive. You can walk. You can go. You can do what you want. Can I say that you and I have got a letter? We went to the king. Uh, I was broken in that hardness and in sin, uh, and I came to him begging my case, and he said, what do you want of me? I said, I want to be free. He said, here, take this letter. It will set you you free. He commuted my sentence. Hey, man, praise God. My sins are gone. I'm commuted. Somebody ought to be shouting right about now. Woo! Nehemiah comes before the king broken and brokenness. And the king says, what can I do for you? He said, I want to go free. I, I want to go to where God's people's at. Can I say this? Church was not on my mind. Church was not nowhere I'd wanted to be. But when I got set free, I want to be in church. I want to be around God's people. Amen. Not only he gets his captivity behind him based on his brokenness, but also based on the blood. It said in verse 1 in chapter 2, when he came to the past of the month of Nisan, the 20th year of Azurus, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. You know what wine is in the Bible. The Bible talks about it. It's the fruit of the vine. You know that Jesus said uh, the, the fruit of the vine is the picture of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He said, I will not drink from this root of the vine until that day when I drank it new in the kingdom of God. And he gave the fruit of the vine. He said, here, drink this. Drink it all, for this is my blood of the New Testament. 
which is shed for many. Not only his brokenness, he comes before the king, but he also comes with the blood, the fruit of the vine. If you want your sentence commuted, you just can't come to God broken. You also have to come before him based on the blood. He didn't just come before the king on his broken hearted, but he brought something with him. He said, King, I've got an offering for you. It's not with my brokenness. Uh, it's just being uh, broken over sins not good enough. I've got something for you. I, I've got my sins that are broken, but I've got the blood. Let me tell you what, the blood. You cannot get forgiveness without the blood. You must come for God through the blood. It's not works. It's not joining church. It must be through the blood. That I'm coming with the shed blood of the cross of Calvary. That's what I came with. And when the king sees the blood, when God sees the blood, he writes an order and sets him free. God's been good to me. God's been good. Because my captivity is behind me. My sins are behind me. And I ain't going back. I ain't going back. I, I know there's, there's those are in and out, out and in, wishy-washy and up and down. I'm telling you what, I, I, I know where my captivity was heading. I know where my sins was heading. I ain't going back. Worst come to worst, I can't be in captivity. I can't. God's been too good. God's been too good. Well, if Nehemiah says uh, his captivity is behind him, he got set free. I, I can see that in my life. My captivity is behind me. My life's been set free. Your life's been set free. If you've been to the altar, if you've gone to Calvary, if you've kept the blood of Jesus, you've been set free. What else has Nehemiah got to thank God for? Same thing that you and I got to thank God for. Our captivity is behind us, but also my companions are beside me. In, in verse number 9, he says, Then came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king has sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. King says, I'm going to release you now. I'm going to release you from your captivity, but, but I'm not going to let you go by your... Oh, praise God. I'm not going to let you go alone. It's a long trip to where you got to go. There's danger out there. There's trouble out there. I'm going to give you some stuff that will help you along the way, that will give you some protection along the way. Those that will stand beside you, those that will guard you, those that will watch out for you, I'm going to give you some help and protect you when you get to where you're going. Who can I tell you? Oh, can I tell you, 
when I came to the king, I wanted to be free. He set me free. He said, here, I'm going to give you something. I'm not going to let you go there alone. I'm not letting you walk by yourself. The king has set you free. He's giving you something much stronger, something much powerful. He is giving you the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you, that's guiding you, that's protecting you, that's walking with you. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. You're not alone. You've got companions. You've got help. You've got somebody. You're not the long ranger. Whoop, whoop. Amen. You're not in it by yourself. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm-mm. You're not in it by yourself. There are others with you. But wait, it gets better. It gets better. He didn't just give him companions. The Holy Ghost, grace, mercy, peace, goodness. Oh, that blessed assurance. But he also gives you physical companions. Verse 12, and I arose in the night and I, I and some men with me. It might not be many, but he's got a few. Amen. He ain't got a whole host with him, but he's got a few. I'll be honest with you. In this world, they're looking at TV, listening to people every day. There ain't a whole lot of people in this world that believe like you and I. That serve God like you and I. There ain't a whole lot, but we've got a few. We've got a few. we still got a few that love God, that love serving God, that loves being with God. A few that still loves the Lord. we still got a few that are looking for His coming. Amen. we still got a few that wants to live right, do right, act right. we still got a few. God has been too good to us. We may not have many, but we got a few. We got a few. I want you to notice something about these few. These few. Verse 14. Then I went upon the gates of the fountain and the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that I was under to pass, for me to pass. It wasn't easy following Nehemiah. It was rough, rocky. They couldn't even take their animals with them. They couldn't take the horse. They couldn't take nothing with them. It had to be on foot. But you know what they were saying? Nehemiah, no matter how rough, no matter how tough it gets, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to stay with you. I believe in you. And let me just say this. Church, I want to thank this church for those who stood behind me, those that said, hey, I want to be with you. I'm going to go through it with you. And no matter how rough, no matter how tough, no matter good times or bad times in good plenty or lean times, I will stick it out. I want to ride with you, amen. Thank God for those who will stand and say, hey, God's been too good to me. I want to thank those buckled up 
hooked up and stood. It's easy to just give up. It's easy to say, you know, I'm through. It's easy when the tough gets going, the weak gets moving out. It's easy to say, you know what, I can't do it no more. And let me tell you what, I've been in that place before. I've been there. I've been so low. I said, Lord God, I don't think I can do it no more. There ain't none beside me. There's none behind me. He said, oh, you ain't look right. I'm above you. I'm around you. I'm in front of you. I'm behind you. Oh, praise God, I'm inside you. You're not alone. I said, you know what, Lord? Let's go. Let's go. Let's take another step. Let's take another step. And each step might get a little wearier. Each step might get a little harder. But thank God for those who keep on walking with you. Thank God that those who roll up their sleeves and say, I'm in it for the long haul. Praise God. Had some physical companions. Ain't you glad you got members of the church that you can call and say, I love you. I care about you. And whatever you need, I'm there for you. I'll hook up with you. I'll, I'll yoke up with you. I'll go with you. It might get rough. The climbing might get hard. But I'm there with you. Look at chapter 3. This chapter 3 is about the building the wall. Verse 12. And next unto him repair Shulam the son of Hushdeh, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. He and his daughters. Get that. He and his daughters. This boy is not alone. He's just not building. He's just not out laboring. He's just not doing something for God. But he's doing it with his family. His daughters are with him. His whole family is doing something for God with him. Listen, the highlight of a ministry, the highlight of your life is when your family gets on board and they serve God, they walk with God, and they're in the ministry with you. They're singing and praising God and giving God everything because mom and daddy is giving God everything. The highlight of your ministry, the highlight of everything you can ever do for God is knowing that your family is serving God with you. And the highlight of your ministry should be able to get the things from God with your family standing beside you. Laboring with you every step of the way. It should do your heart good. I see our children in here. They're serving with mom and daddy. You ought to do the hearts good that your child is in church learning God's ways. Learning God's words. That ought to do your heart good. You ought to stand up and shout to God about that. You ought to give God the praise about that. But not everybody can say that. Not everybody can say that. Not everybody can say my child is serving God. And there are those that can say I did everything right. I raised them in the right way. I pointed them in the right direction. But somehow when they got old enough they went out in the world. They got caught up in things they should not have got caught up. 
God has given us companions to walk arm in arm, to serve God and do things for God. I, I enjoy the fire in church. I, I enjoy seeing somebody get on fire. I enjoy that. It does my heart good. I, I enjoy coming to church and seeing people here laughing and, and just having a good time. It does my heart good. Well, why do you do that? Why do you like coming to church? Why do you like seeing Because God has been good. God has been good. Chapter 6, verse number 2, tells us not everybody is going to be your companion. Not everybody believes the way you believe. Not everybody is going to walk the way you walk. Not everybody is going to talk the way you In fact, there are going to be those that want to stop you from doing what you do. Now, Sandoval and Gershon sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some of one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Not everybody in church is going to be your buddy. Not everybody wants to help you do the things of God. They're, in fact, they're sending him letters. Say, hey, won't you come down here with us and do what we're doing, uh, act like we're doing. Uh, let me just say, there are those that's going to tell you, uh, you ain't got to do that. You ain't got to act like it. You ain't got to believe that way. Uh, there are those that say, hey, once you made a profession of faith when you're a child, you ain't got to be in God's house anymore. You can go where you want to, do what you want to. You're all right. They're sending letters. Come and join us. And let me tell you what, this world is sending Christians world today. Letters, come and join us. Act like us. Can't you see we're having fun? There's only pleasure in sin for a season. All they're trying to do is get you off track. To get you to stop believing what, they, what you believe. To get you to stop acting so religious and believing and loving God. He, he, he sends them letters and says, I can't come down there. I, I can't do what you're doing. I can't live the way you're doing. I can't walk the way you're doing because God's been too good to me. God's been too good to me. And if God's been good to you like that, why would you turn your back? Why would you walk away? Why do you throw things away? If God's been too good to you, hold on to the very end. Nehemiah had companions. Nehemiah knew the great work that was going on. Nehemiah had physical companions with him. But can I say the commandment of the king was a blessing to him? Chapter 2, verse number 7. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me as the governor beyond the river, that they may convey me over until I come unto Judah. He had letters for Asma, for the timber, for the gates, for the walls. Can you imagine the blessing it was for Nehemiah to have the letters in his hand? 
He didn't have to come on his own words. I can see him going up to the keepers of the wood. Asbury and said, hey, uh, I need some wood for the gates and I need some wood for the wall. And he said, well, who are you? Who are you? He says, I ain't coming in my own words. It's not my words. I've got a letter. I've got a letter that I want you to read. It's from the king. The king himself gave it to me. He said, here, take this letter, and whenever you go, you find problems, you find heartaches. Take this letter out. You can find peace. You can find There is provisions in the word of God. There is provisions in the letter of God. Anything you're going through, anything that you face, whatever you're going through, God says I got a letter for you you're going through a bad marriage God's got a letter for you your family's in disarray God's got a letter for you you down out and distressed and disheartened God's got a letter for you God's been too good he said I'm not leaving you alone I'm going to give you a letter and you take this letter wherever you go I could see Nehemiah sitting by the campfires looking around and saying oh I'm feeling a little distressed. Reach in that pocket. Pull out that letter. Uh, <laughs> I can find comfort in this letter. I know that no matter where I go, this letter's going to be, be presented before me. And it's not my words. It's the king's words. Can I say this is not my words? It is the king's words. This is the king's letter to you and I. And he said, hey, uh, take this letter. You go through this life with this letter. It will bring comfort to your life. It will bring peace to your life. And I'm so glad that I can find peace in the letter of king. Not only is this letter milk and honey for my life, it is protection. It's good for my soul. God has given us a letter for the journey that we're in today. If you ain't pulling out your letter, if you ain't reading your letter, you're going to be distraught, despondent, depressed, discouraged. Can I say this? If you pull that letter out and you start reading that letter, I don't care where you open that letter up to. Just open that letter, pick out a place, start reading, and you're going to find peace that will come to your life. You may be going through something this morning. You might be battling something this morning. And there is a letter for you. You say, well, my family's not where it should be. There's a letter for you. You say, well, my life is not where it should be. I, I've been going through this and that. There's a letter for you. All you got to do is pick it up and read it. It'll bring comfort to you. Why should I read the letter from the king? Because God's been too good to you and I. And God's been that good. Then we ought to read the letter that he has given us. Say, so here, this, you know what? I, I, I encourage you to share your letter with the world. Everybody you come in contact, say, come here, read the letter from my king. He set me free. He's given me peace. He's given me comfort. I don't care what I'm going through. My letters from my king has made me rejoice. There's rejoicing in the letters. There's happiness in the letters. And if there's so much of that in the letters, why aren't we reading it more and more and more? 
Find your cozy little place sometimes. Sit down. Open up them letters. It will bless your heart. It will bless your soul. God has been too good for us. He's been good to you and I, and we ought to just give him the praise. I don't know about you, but I just like to thank God for what God has done. He has delivered me from my captivity. He has not put me on this journey by myself. He's given me the Holy Spirit. He's given me peace. He's given me grace. He's given me comfort. But he said, hey, you what? Guess what? Not only am I going to give you that comforter, I'm going to give you some companions that will stick with you, those that will stand beside you, those that won't give up on you. God's been too good for us. I pray that God has been good to you. I pray that you're where you need to be at.